I'm the host, I've got to kick things off. All right, good evening. This is Future Sounds Season 2, Episode 1. We're back after a brief pause to dissect some recent events and perhaps preview what next year has in store for us. I'm Tom, a.k.a. Witcher to LimeWire, a.k.a. a bunch of other shit. I'm joined by the full complement. Got a world cup of vapor and synthwave personalities in the house. We got Rob here, feeling a bit under the weather, I think. How's hello, it going, hello. Rob? I'm good. I'm going to try not to sniffle a lot. What people can't see is that Rob's actually got quite an impressive Movember vibe going see, on, yeah. although it's decent. Oh Christ, I didn't you always say that. that. Yeah, it's just because nice it's grey on my chin, Handsome so it doesn't come I out. You always had it. Everyone always goes, "Oh yeah, Rob with the moustache." I have other facial hair, dudes. It just doesn't grow on the sides. <laughs> it just doesn't grow on the sides. I'll be a man one day. Touched a nerve. Yeah. Sorry. Well, um, also looking resplendent, we got Patrick Fakeman in a turtleneck jumper, sort of a, a chunky knit. Thou shall have a fishy on a little dishy when the boat comes in. That's the, that's what I'm doing yeah. tonight, for sure. It's very um, like Paul McCartney, sort of Ram era that's, Paul McCartney. That's what I was going it? for, thank you. I've got a whiskey yeah, with me as well, so it's kind of, it, feel, it feels yeah, a exactly. of Kintyre vibes. You, you, yeah, exactly. You've relocated to a small <laughs> island. You're rearing some sheep. Yeah. Hello, Tom. Good evening. Lovely stuff. And uh, we're also joined by the, the Welsh contingent. Hopefully they uh, deliver better performance than their Too soon, team. too We've soon. <laughs> we're not Welsh, we just live there. We like that. We like Wales. That's what the team yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welsh when, it, when, it, when they're winning. Well, yeah, we're, we're English and Belgian who live in Wales. It's a complicated mix. We need to do one of those Venn diagrams for which, which one of the artists we represent supports who. Because I'm saying th- 3PS is definitely England fans. Timeshare 94 did Groot in Belgium, so we should probably mm-hmm. be Belgium fans with that. And then, um, yeah, our, yeah, our solo projects and Donor Lens can be England fans as well. So You're a therapist's dream. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling quite down as well. I'm feeling quite down this afternoon because Belgium lost, so there we are. Oh, man. Is, where is Jay? Is he, is he hiding here. somewhere? I can't get, You're right, Jay. Yeah, I can't get my video to work, so you can just imagine... What I'm, what, you oh, know, man. you can just imagine what I'm wearing. It's a good job. It's well, you're the, the, you're the, the prettiest, prettiest member of the podcast, so it's a, it is a shame that we it's can't true. see you. Mm. Yeah, where was the compliment oh, on my jacket? I, I copied your jacket after Future Sounds. That's why. That's why you didn't get a compliment. Okay. Right. For those people listening to the podcast who obviously can't see by the nature of a podcast, um, I would say Enzo, you are in the dark a little bit. So, okay. you know, can't mm. quite see what jacket you got. It could be a dressing gown for all I could see. Smoky though. I didn't really want to nice, comment on that. It's a Uniqlo white mountaineering fleecy combination. It's very nice. Ooh, well, I've got one of those. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to buy yours off your back and you said, you said yeah, no. Yeah. So, there we are. Oh, man. This is all great but, content. But Jay, Jay we're, we're all good, are we? I'm good. Mm. I'm good. I'm excited to... you got World Cup fever. Y- yeah, I guess. I mean, i I got to be honest, this is one of the least excited... About a world, no. How do I? How do I even say that sentence? This is the least, probably the least excited I've been about a World Cup in recent years. Uh, yeah, I think apart from the humanitarian disaster that is the World Cup, um, mm-hmm. I think it's just the time of year as well. It's a bit cold. Yes, yeah, it's all wrong. It's a bit cold. Yeah. You know, the atmosphere's not there. You know, yeah. I'd seen quite. It's, a, it's the wrong time of year for like elite sport, right? It's it's the right time of year for sort of games. really shit non-league sport with like a cup of Bovril isn't it yeah, it's, not, well, that, it's not it's not peak athleticism my favourite moment of the World Cup is usually winding my window down in the summer and blaring out World in Motion to annoy the Welsh passers by yeah, and I can't really out. do that because mm-hmm. it's, no, it's too cold it's too cold you're good 
No, all good. All good. I, I all think, good. Um, yeah, I think it's taken us a little while just as a bit of a come down from either arranging or performing at or um, being at uh, Double Vision. So I think everyone did take a couple of weeks just to go. <laughs> yeah, the chat started mm-hmm. in, within a day. People were asking about the lineup for the third event. And I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't do it. I can't talk about it yet, lads. It's too soon. I need a, I need a week to detox and uh, kind of recover. I'm, it, it's tiring, isn't it? You know, when you plan an event like that, the, mm. the kind of nervous tension the week leading up to it and on the day itself. But I'm sure we can talk about that when we come back. Yeah, for though, sure. Right, well, why, why don't we talk about some... Yeah, if it, definitely. Why don't we talk about what else is new? Um, and then, you know, maybe maybe you'll build up some enthusiasm to talk about our event a little later <laughs> in the pods. Like, so so uh, there have been other f- exciting things happening under the Future Sounds banner recently. Perhaps we should talk about Yeah, so we've... Um, Glenn, a shout to Glenn, because he, he not only did the art for the first event and um, did the art for uh, the podcast, every episode we've done thus far. Um, he's also been feverishly working behind the scenes. And when I say feverishly, I mean he he respects no um, family responsibility. Yeah. If he's got a task that needs um, dealing with, he'll, he'll send a message right away. But he's done amazing work. The website itself is looking fantastic. I think everyone on this call, apart from Jay perhaps, has written a piece or two for it already. Um, mm. We've had Tom's piece, which was about, uh, I think it's called The Story of That's... The Story of That's Not Vaporwave, which kind of, Great piece. Tackled head on some of these issues around sampling and not sampling and, and what is and isn't Vaporwave and whether you really need to define things at all. And that's definitely got a bit of discussion uh, going. And we've had a few reviews and um, things like that and some exclusives. Like we Rob did a piece on the Pacific Plaza uh, Christmas compilation. Volume 3. Um, comes and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of shaping up to be... Hopefully a semi-regular site for news, features, reviews and stuff like that. We've even stuck up some Future Sounds t-shirts on there yes, yesterday nice. and sold quite a few of them already as well. So, yeah, just, you know, and if there is anyone listening out there, uh, particularly people who are, might be on the other side of the pond who might get to more live events over there, it'd be great to, to add to the team of people who want to contribute mm. written pieces, uh, especially reviews Writing of live reporters. events and stuff. Yeah, like, you know, because we can't get to that kind of stuff very often. Um, and uh, we're certainly not going to be able to do the website absolute justice if it's just the four or five of us writing every couple of weeks. It'd be nice Espe- to... Yeah, especially with work or life or you know sprog commitments, it tends to uh, take away from the tapping of the tapping time, doesn't it? And the thinking Indeed. time, it's a challenge. Oh, crikey, Germany have scored twice in a minute. <laughs> 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 There's live a video print live When this goes out, everyone's going to be like, yeah, we saw it. Three weeks ago. Well, we started the podcast and Germany were going out at the World Cup and it's just turned on its on its arse, let's say. Um, but yeah, no, that that's kind of it. The website, future-sounds.co.uk. And like I said, there's loads of articles on there. We've got a regular column of uh, new and interesting notable tracks. We've got um, sort of think pieces and uh, yeah, some uh, some merch as well. There's also... And some uh, great artist interviews as well. Yeah, mm. I did a, I did an interview with um, PowerPC Me last week, which was um, really interesting. It was nice to chat to him because he's just put a, a record out. He kind of was, exp- everyone thought he'd retired, which was, um, yeah, he kind of touches on that in the interview as well. He he kind of had enough, I think, needed a break. And um, he found yeah. inspiration listening to classic jungle records, mm. which is, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it seems to be a lot of people are doing that at the minute. So that was nice. And yeah. um, so there's a piece about that. I think he was amongst, amongst the first us to get that bug you know in our in our community because i remember the the i think maybe the flamingo 
Flamingo Fest shows or maybe it was Pat Jennington's show. There was that really cute video of him just like playing his sampler on a on a diving board, and he was playing some of these tunes. Yeah. You know, and I, was, I just remember thinking like, I can't wait for these tunes to come out. And then, you know, they took a couple of years. Yeah, he sent the know, album to us ages ago. To come out. He sent the album to us quite a long time, and it just it took a while for everything to come together. And um, yeah, I was really excited to to play it. It's um, yeah, yeah. I'm glad he glad he glad he got around to putting it out because it's, it's a fantastic piece of work. Yeah, no, it I is. It. it is. I've always enjoyed his stuff. I think it's funny because we, we, I was speaking. I think it was to you, Enzo, last week about how I was trying to grab hold of a repress of the the, the Kmart album, which oh, is yeah. oh god, how many years old that is now? I think the evening after we had that conversation, it popped up on Bandcamp as there being some available. So I've, I've grabbed that. Goodness knows when it when it actually arrived, but it's been one of those ones that's been on my list for a long time. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Hmm. We've got we've got another interview. The, the interview with Eyeliner should be coming out at some point, right? Yeah, it's written. Um, I don't want to give away too much about that because there's um, quite a lot of con- quite a lot contained within that, which will be spoilers. But um, yeah, it, he's he's moved back to New Zealand recently, and he spent pretty much the whole of COVID in a foreign country to him. You know, like I mean, culturally, not just a foreign country, as in he wasn't born there. Like Hong Kong is quite culturally different and it was probably quite an interesting, unique way to experience the whole of the pandemic. And he had real difficulty getting him and his family home and they got home and they've just had a baby, which is wonderful. Uh, Um, And so we got really, really detailed, long, really fascinating interview with him. He's such a funny, thoughtful, um, yeah, like just uh, experienced producer in the community i think it's um be a good one looking forward to putting that out nice rob um perhaps you could talk a bit more about this uh pacific plaza christmas compilation because we sort of had the had the exclusive on announcing that and uh you know previewed a few tracks yeah 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 it was it was great man it's it's the volume three uh they've done one for the last couple of years it's got some of the same artists on there we've got we've got um uh, Wizard of Loneliness, another track. Uh, Trucks Passing Trucks has been on the previous ones. I think Data Girl has been on previous ones. Uh, a Visceral. It's really, really good. Um, we previewed three as embeds. Embeds, that's a weird pronunciation, on the uh, on the site. But as we're recording it right now, um, it drops tomorrow. And there's cassettes, uh, physicals, as, as well as the digital. But it's really good, man. It really like covers. Um, you've got some Slush Wave on there. You've got some Vapor Trap you got some like future funk kind of new disco stuff. It's really varied and it makes for a, uh, a cozy Christmas album. And uh, I'm going to pick myself up a tape mm. and it's going to be on my, it's going to be on my, my rotation every year now. Um, Me and my bro are on that. The artwork. Yeah, nice the artwork's really nice. Uh, yeah, and, and, and Enzo, you're on it. You're on it. Um, very nice track. I, I heard that it's a, a cheeky couple of years old. I I'm looking for it now. I can't. I can't see it in the. Uh, there it's it is. down the bottom. There of our it is. MPF cat under the Christmas yeah. tree. We yeah. we put it out a couple of years ago, but it's <clears throat> we wanted to be involved. As soon as he mentioned the album, I was like, we we just haven't had time with uh, with the new baby um, and with the show and stuff to organise. I'd love to have done a new one, and maybe we'll do that next year. Oh, but it's it's but new. It's to a great the idea, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think many people have heard no, it. It was an exclusive no. Club Flamingo track. It's um it's been kind of hidden in the background. There's a cheeky Alpha well, Chromeo. It's a couple of years old as well. I was going to say Alpha Chromeo. Yeah, kind of was a Christmas, mm. and I remember that came out in 2019. Yeah, so that's nice to hear it in the context of a comp. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely good. Mate. You should pick nice. it up. Um, and the previous volumes two and two and one, uh, as they are, they're a, they're a dollar. So they're about, you know, 80p uh, on Bandcamp right now. So I would suggest just getting the whole collection um, as of tomorrow and just uh, subsuming yourself in the Christmas vapor goodness. 
and that's uh, festive. One of my picks tonight is from nice. that. Album. Enzo, was was the track something that you um <coughs> you you slipped out like on Christmas Day in the past? Yeah, is we that used when you to it, or Christmas Eve. We used to do um, yeah, something like this every year. We did. I think we've done three Christmas tunes. This is the best of them. It's a classic vapor style, like very much inspired by like waterfront dining style vaporwave. Yeah. Um, and I think it was one. Yeah, I think it was from 2020 or 2019. I think. And then the last couple of years, we've we've meant to do it and uh, just haven't kind of found time. And this year is a prime example of it. I just can't see where we would have found time this last month to do something. Mm, but too busy yeah, making babies, too busy baking and <laughs> well, raising babies. Yeah, Jay, you're. I remember quiet. probably changing an app. I had there. a. <laughs> yeah, he must be. Um, there's a sort of proto Dona Lens project. I, I had like a electronic music project with with Yana Tyrrell years ago, and I remember thinking it was a really good idea to release it as a freebie on Christmas Day, and then being surprised when like nobody downloaded it. <laughs> it was a bit busy. <laughs> yeah, it's a, probably not my best sort of music music business strategy ever. But yeah, um, if there's any sort of Sherlock Holmes people out there, uh, they can probably hunt that down and find oh, okay. it. Okay, I'm not saying what it's called, but yeah, they're, they're, it's quite cool. Didn't fancy making a donor lens or contributing a donor lens uh, Christmas trap proper. Maybe next year. Um, we Alex asked us. Um, we were both uh, sort of knee deep in yeah. shit. Actual um, poo. baby Literally. shit, not our own. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah. Um, it would have been good, and yeah, I, I did want to do. I had the track title "Jungle Bells" oh. in, in my head and wanted to do oh, something mate. with that. But um, that's a three-piece sweet for next year, surely. <laughs> yeah. But it's just a pun. It was a pun. It was a pun that I didn't, uh, you know, execute the the actual making <laughs> making of pun in itself. There's actually a fantastic. Um, do you know the techno DJ Surgeon? Yeah, it's like a really really gnarly gnarly DJ. He does a version of Jeff Mills's "The Bells," but he, it, the Jingle Bells, um, and it's like 150 BPM, <laughs> like no speed techno with um with the Jingle Bells melody. It's really good. I was gonna say what I'd seek that. I was out. gonna say there's a. There's a jump up drum and bass um, uh, re- re- rework of Fairy Tale of New York called Fairy Tale of London by Leveller Ooh, as well. That we, okay. that we came out in 2012. You should listen to that as well. Makes a note. That's funny. That sounds horrific. It's funny. The original <laughs> song, to be fair. It's really funny. What? Is How it better you, or. I can't stand it. It's, I think it's the worst it's, Christmas song. It's one of the best. <laughs> it's one of the best Christmas songs. Nah. Being contested. Sorry. What what is the best? Has, has any have people I, for got for me? It's, it's definitely John Lennon. Uh, Merry Christmas, War is over. I think it's just an amazing okay. song. Full stop. Uh, it's dark. It's not happy. Uh, but that's that's my go to for sure. But also, I just I like Christmas rapping. The Chris, waitresses. What are they, what are they called yeah, the waitresses? Like that's, that I like that. Yeah, that's a tune. That's a that is a tune. Yeah. Yeah. Funky yeah. as. In Dolce Jubilo, Jay, you taught me that on guitar once. I think I think that we nearly fell out over that. <laughs> <laughs> was that when he was still teaching you guitar? And um... yeah, I think that was the final straw. I think it might have been how Donalyn started. To be honest, like me asking to learn Mike Oldfield songs. Have you ever gi- have you ever given that story out on the pod? I'm not sure if you ever have. Like, yeah, yeah, we, we've talked about it before. Okay. I think um, Jay teaching me guitar and me being a very poor student, and him sort of uh, sort of sheepishly suggesting that uh, he'd prefer to make music with me than like try to teach me Steely Dan songs. Stay in your lane. The, the irony of a teacher being a bad student is quite in the, you know, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's I'm not wasted here. Yeah, no, I'm a fucking nightmare to teach. <laughs> I've thrown one other one out there. Is it MF Doom, Cooking Soul or something like that? What's the the Christmas Soul album? Hang on, MF Doom, Christmas. Nice. I got the Curates um, 
I don't know how official it is, but it's worth hundreds and hundreds of quid. It's like a, it's a picture disc. Um, what's the album called here? Have a look. Doom Christmas, Cooking Soul, mm. and it's like um, I, I got the I got the vibe. It's not official, but maybe I'm wrong there. But Curates put it out, or Crates put it out. Check it out. And I got it on a picture disc without giving it much thought. I just liked the first track, and I bought it just in a in a rush because it was about to to stop. And it didn't actually arrive until like May, which made it <laughs> a fucking useless record for a half a year. <laughs> and then I stuck it on the year after at Christmas and I was like, this is actually really good. I had a look on Discogs and it was going for like four or five hundred quid. Uh. Well, Still got it. I haven't sold it yet. Good investment. As soon as um things really go to shit, I'll um yeah, when when the labels all come crashing down around me and I need a bit of cash to keep the house warm, I'll um I'll sell it then. Probably like half a month's <laughs> electricity bill. Along with the MPF archive. <laughs> yeah. Um, like talking of other end of year stuff, like does anyone have any strong opinions on Spotify wrapped? Oh, it's a bit nonplussed about it this year. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was the same. What I found quite interesting, particularly yesterday, given as we're recording this, it was released, I think it was yesterday, maybe maybe it was the day before, actually. It's all the people that were going online going, oh, you know, it was almost like they they, they were surprised in how happy they were with their stats. And you kind of think to yourself, well, you were listening to those tracks. You you know, it shouldn't come as too much of a surprise. Well, I don't know. (laughs) You listen to stuff differently throughout the year, don't you? Like... My, my 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 top listen to um, artist this for, for this year was My Chemical Romance. I haven't listened to them for about two or three months. It was mm. all top ended at the start of the year. And so you've gone I, for a I, hardcore session of it, and it discounts uh, it discounts December. So we've lost a whole month because it came out yesterday. Yeah, I think it goes. To, I think it goes to October, doesn't it? I think oh, that because I think it takes some time to work out. Someone told so I think I read somewhere it was Jan to October. Okay, or end of October. Jay, I thought yours was normally like Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> uh, not so much Thomas anymore. I had... Oh, do you know Wickles. what I need, to, I need to find? find it. Mine's Coco I defi- Melon. No, I, definitely had, um, <clears throat> I definitely had Pokemon was one of my... Um, nice. Yeah. I can't wait to like, pop he's old enough to listen to better stuff. I think it was like my <laughs> headliner for one of my days was Pokemon. So, <laughs> oh, Is this what we're talking about, that festival <laughs> thing? Well... Because yeah, my festival head, was headlined head. on one day by... Um, by Coco Melon, which oh, yeah, should be yeah. an interesting Saturday night experience, I think, and especially coming after like like Heim and uh, you know the Beatles. <coughs> and so, for those bands. that don't know, this was the week or the days before Spotify Wrapped. There was another kind of online yeah. presence that was ultimately searching through your Spotify and was mm. pulling out. It, it wasn't based on plays, I don't think, because it was pulling out random ones here and there and was creating a three-day festival, uh, uh, wasn't it? Is that not the same thing that you were really talking no, about? No, he's talking about the, like, they're talking uh, about the corporate Spotify oh. rap thing that happens every year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, this was some, just some dodgy data harvesting, yeah. wasn't Definitely, it? We've all yeah. signed our data. Now, now I think about it, I've probably lost half my passwords, <laughs> you know, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but, yeah. Well worth it, mate. Oh, for sure. It looked Cheers. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about um, in, like in terms of Spotify raps? What about sort of artists posting their stats? Because obviously, like there are people in our world who are posting some like <coughs> impressive numbers that like are comparable to comparable or higher than well, like I, sort of recognizable sort of name artists in other mm. in, in sort of more mainstream scenes. I guess I'd throw that back with a question. I guess I'd throw that back with a question for you guys: Is that how did you feel? Because I, I saw some some comments about how people were taking pride in those numbers but also said that it made them feel a little bit self-conscious around their yeah. own 
performance, mm. as it were, performance against others, and whether you just take it for what it is and the um, following and the plays that you've had, or whether you do compare yourselves more. Because I think that's probably quite a. Um, there's yeah. probably one camp. I remember. Or the other. I remember sort of the first time Spotify Wrapped was a thing, or like maybe you know the first the first year of Donor Lens existing. I think I think we put out our record, and this you know the rap thing only happens a few months afterwards. And I remember you know we probably had a few sort of hundred listeners, or a few hundred plays or something. And I remember sort of being happy about it, and just being like kind of dimly aware that like almost no matter how big that number got, I would still be comparing mm. our performance against other people, and I'd still be sort of a. Yeah, it is. And um, also like aware that a lot of these plays are quite algorithmic or quite passive in nature. And actually it's the, it's when you get direct messages from people being like, you're my favorite artist, you're my most listened to artist of the year, or like you've inspired me to form my project, like blah, blah, blah. That's more that meaningful kind of thing right, is than just... Worth, it's worth a lot more than kind of algorithmic listens, <clears throat> but the algorithmic listens are useful. Uh, I mean, you know, th- it all counts and like... Uh, you know, people uh, sort of rag on the Spotify royalties, which are mm. poor. But like, we're aware of people in our world who who make a s- significant portion of their living yeah. off streaming royalties. <laughs> and yeah. for for some people, like this is a viable way to make a living. It's very very difficult, but some people have found a way to do it. For me, it's like there's a lot of artists, particularly in in, in these scenes, that don't have their whole catalog on Spotify anyway so I did a low more streaming from from and purchasing on Bandcamp uh, mm-hmm. so for me it was I just looked at the Spotify run rap thing saw a load of my kids music it was like well, it's just bullshit really it was Bandcamp that I was streaming your Iversons and your Donor Lens and like, all the Vaporwave stuff that isn't yeah. even on Spotify so I just took it with a massive bag of salt this year um because I've just been... Have, have you noticed, though, I mean, it's interesting you say that, have you noticed how many people have started putting bait stuff up on Spotify now? Like, as in, that is, yeah, that is to say... fake artists. Well, not even just that, but I mean, people just posting stuff with... I mean, there was always a concern, I think, understandably, about streaming and uh, legitimate platforms like Spotify and iTunes and sampling mm. and not having samples cleared. And if you look at the fact that Spotify's got corporate playlists... Mm, uh, like true, in, actually. You know, official, yeah. official vaporwave and future punk playlists. The vast majority of those artists haven't cleared those songs. No. And that's, this isn't. I'm not saying this to shine a light on that for any reason. I'm sure that there's no corporate yeah. people Snitch. listening to this for the sake <laughs> of it. But, Too late. Not. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but, but do you know? Like, I mean, what, something's happened this year. I think where people have gone. Do you know what? Fuck it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. It's the same as Bandcamp. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's. Yeah, they, they editorially select, like, some of the most egregious stuff, don't they? Yeah. Again, like, not wanting to sort of narc people, but, like, you know, there'll, there'll be, like, sort of uh, Lisa Frank 420 remakes and stuff, like, making the official cuts and stuff, like, really, really bait things that are, like, so obviously not supposed to be there. Mm. I mean, and, like, fake releases under artist names is a thing yeah. that happens now. Like, we okay. haven't had it as Donald waves on waves. I think we'll know we've, we've made it when that yeah. does happen. Yeah, it's, it's crazy that that happens. And like, yeah, like our producers in our scene who are like perhaps not squeaky clean themselves having to sort of go through channels to report like really naughty people for um, for sort of posting content under their names and stuff. It's very It was a bit like a, a racket as opposed to genuine, authentic representation of, of mm-hmm. plays and listens and fans. And I don't know, it's a bit... wasn't really yeah. into it this year, dudes. The trouble with our like postmodern music scene is that like every time something like this happens it's kind of like 
kind of in the spirit of things, isn't it? Like, you know, it's, it's kind of ridiculous and it's like, you can't really critique it too much because it's everyone's like, joining in. You know, it's kind of on brand that it's Someone happening. stole yeah. your stolen copy of Diana Ross. Yeah. And they slowed <laughs> yeah. it down a little bit more. Yeah, eating our tail, aren't yeah. we? It's very, very postmodern. <laughs> but then there's a whole argument about, there's a whole argument about punching up and punching down and um, sampling within your own genre and... Yeah. You know. Well, that's, that's kind of what we wanted to talk about in terms of like this this kind of slightly breaking news in, in as much as it's news, but like this this suggestion that some of these kind of Barber Beats releases, which you know, it's quite it's well known that their Barber Beats is kind of heavily plundered, uh, kind of um, in terms of its kind of audio sources, but the visual references are obviously you know, there's kind of a language that's kind of instantly recognisable. It's like, that's that's almost what defines a Barber Beats record is like how the, the artwork looks. There's some kind of small controversy brewing at the moment about how derivative the artwork of, of certain people, Oblique Occasions being one of them, you know, how, how derivative that is. And that it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's worth worth talking about, uh, you know, this as a phenomenon. Like, what, What's there to say about it? I mean... I, I, I personally mocked up a cover, which we haven't released something for, but the idea was to to pull together, and this is something we're going to do in the long run, like a, a selections um, for MPF for the club members, basically, Club Flamingo. So we'll do a compilation, which will be exclusive. And it'll be tracks that are quite heavily linked to MPF. And I was nicking the idea of Def Jam Selections. Was it called Def, Def Jam Selections mm-hmm. or Def Jam Selector? Yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. it's a well-known mixtape that they used to put out for free or for quite cheap. It used to be just an OB, like an, an outer, an O card, basically. It was quite a cheaply produced tape, but it was effectively just a mixtape that showcased stuff that was coming out on that label. And nicked the idea completely of how it was laid out because I'm making a visual reference to something that mm-hmm. was classic yeah. and kind of aping that that's idea. intertextuality. So I guess it's quite Not similar. Leaving. I guess that's... It's, yeah, but isn't it the same thing? I mean, my take on looking at looking very quickly at that Twitter thread in particular about the Oblique Occasions cover is that they have... Um, is it how overt borrowed is it? very heavily on the they, well they borrowed very heavily on the layout it's an identical layout isn't yeah. it that's but they but, the, we've but all done of the that shapes day, as, as donor lens yeah. haven't we we've got we've got our, the the cover for distant is like a is a homage to autobahn by craft I, I, yeah. I think yeah like jay what um sorry enzo what you're saying like the the references we're making are kind of historic references and i think there is this kind of etiquette in sampling culture that you're you're not really supposed to borrow sideways for whatever reason. Like, but I don't know. I, don't, I even with this, it, it, I'm sure that it's been it's been taken, it's been recontextualized because it was loved. Yeah, and so it and and it comes back to the, the whole point. All right, there is this kind of underlying principle, perhaps, that's supposed to be at play, but ultimately. It's still all plunder phonics, and the music is no mm-hmm. less plundered than the art. And who's surprised yeah. to discover that? They're not really pretending otherwise, are they? No. Like um, the no. Clash is, uh, you know, complete rip off of the Elvis Presley album. Uh, it was all deliberate, yeah. and it's all like, yeah, it's very interesting, man. That that whole that whole thing, that that whole uh, borrowed, stolen cultural references, that intertextual piece. Super interesting. I remember watching a King of New York, yeah. and they were wearing like bowl hats in a reference to sort of a bleak reference to Clockwork Orange. Um, happens everywhere. 
So is this an overblown issue then, do we think? Is this, is, is this, is this something which actually, is, it's happened historically and therefore it's just something, you know, regardless of what scene it's in, is it, it, it should be accepted that it, that it takes place or is it too overtly obvious this time? I think it's okay to have a conversation about it and that's what people seem to be doing yeah. on Twitter for sure. <coughs> but I don't really come down heavily on yeah. one side or the other, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on the fence, what's them uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's swing back into things. We probably should have done it a while ago, but um, what have we all been listening to? Um, I'm going to go in reverse order from my introductions. Um, Enzo, what have you been listening to? Um, well, I've been listening to, just a quick mention, I know I always do this, but I was kind of, um, <laughs> my fav- one of my favourite moments from the Future Sound show, and we'll talk about this after, obviously, was Pizza Hotline set, and he dropped... Um, an old jungle absolute classic by DJ SS called The Lighter, which has got, I, I couldn't, yeah. one of you guys um, picked out what the sample is. I can't remember what it is. It's a classic. You said it's a Henry Mancini yeah. kind of piano thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a classical music, 70s kind of piano line. And then it's got this, um, yeah, it sounds like an MC sample over it. But it's a, it's a, like, a big, big tune that was remixed about six or seven times throughout the evolution of Jungle and Drum and Bass, and it's an absolutely amazing tune. And I have been listening to that, but um, I think going keeping things slightly more in genre and more in focus, um, for the last few months I've been listening to, and it's kind of on topic of Barber Beats, I've been listening to a lot of Barber Beats. Um, we've been chatting quite a bit to a, um, an artist called Monodrone, um, who is one of the... There's no doubt in my mind that he's one of the kind of cream of the crop. So you obviously got Macro Blank and Oblique Occasions, who are, and Ron Breaker, uh, Godspeed, artists like that are kind of making waves, particularly the first two, I think, at the minute. Um, whenever you look at the Vaporwave charts, it seems, seems to be dominated by a, a couple of albums from the Barber Beat genre at the top, anyway. But Monodrone mm. was really caught my eye. The art's uh, really, really beautiful. Um, the music itself is is unreal. There's an album in particular called Forbidden Fruit by Monodrone, um, and that's that's kind of been on repeat for me for the last couple of months. And there's a track, the, the first track off the album, in fact, called Some Somewhere Dark, and it gives me like massive. It sounds mad because most most vaporwave seems to be kind of nostalgic for the 80s and 90s, maybe some 70s soul and funk and stuff. But this gives me proper 60s vibes. This track. It sounds like Roy Budd. It could be almost like the soundtrack to somewhere in the get, film Get Carter. Okay, you know, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, that kind of. Certainly with the intro, anyway, and then it kind of goes off in the same path. Very chilled, very, um, very lo-fi, very, um, very barber beats. Um, but yeah, the track I've been listening to most is Somewhere Dark, and we might have some uh, some news in uh, due course on that. So yeah, Monodrone, Somewhere Dark.
what you've been listening to? Um, I've been listening to lots of things, obviously, but the the track that I've selected um, is was in, was actually is advertised to me on Instagram, which I don't. I think it's pretty. Um, it's, it's done well. I don't. I don't. I don't really know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but I don't usually get. I don't usually click through adverts, but there was a little snip. <laughs> there was a little snippet of music that was accompanied to the advert for this track, and it it grabbed me. So I clicked through, and it's actually mm-hmm. it's actually a fucking great tune. So. Erectile dysfunction. Um, I get them all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's the, yeah, it's yeah. the music in the background of a. Uh, Jerome's not old enough for that. <laughs> oh, wait till you're forty-four. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the track that I'm going to choose is a Kaleidoscope and it's by two artists collaborating together called Jed Will and Scro. <laughs> It was just, I, I think it was like, um, being very coy about this. I think it was longer spray. <laughs> I, I think it was like, no, I, I think it was just like, um, one of them in their studio mm-hmm. talking about the track or something like that. And then there's a little snippet of the music played, and it's just like really glitchy and weird. Uh, and, so and so it, it was like a promo for the artists themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. To it oh, yeah, like yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. Something else. Yeah, yeah, no. It wasn't like an advert for a product, and then and, uh, yeah. and then I de- found out promoted post. Yeah, promoted. It post. was just a promoted post from the producer saying, "Listen to my new single, basically." And yeah, mm-hmm. it just it grabbed me, and I I really enjoyed it. So I then listened no, to it, and works. you should listen to it too. Done. That sounded really, right, that yeah. sounded really efficient as well. Yeah. Mister Fakeman, what have you been listening to? Um. So I'm doing a, uh, the last couple of weeks I've been trying to pull together a bit of a set for a, a live thing that I'm doing this weekend for uh, the Maverick the guy Festival, that I've met. The Maverick, it's Maverick Festival 3, which is ultimately supposed to be a live synthwave festival, but I think it goes on for like 27 hours. 
across a number of different time zones. And I'm, I'm just doing an hour, but I've gone completely off brief. So rather than doing synthwave, I'm basically doing future funk and disco because it, it's, you know, it feels fun. apt and more fun to do. Mm-hmm. So th- that involved a lot of kind of crate diving into um, band camp and trying to find some stuff that I hadn't heard before, maybe. And ultimately, my what the, the track that I've picked is nowhere near new in any way, shape or form. In fact, it was released in November 2015 by Castle Carousel. And it's from the first EP, which is the uh, it's a, it's the kind of what's well, the EP called? It's called Castle Carousel. So he's from where's he from? Let's have a look and see here, Kansas City, Missouri. I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. I hadn't heard of Castle Carousel at all before. Was really impressed with some of the tracks he's got um, in general. There's a couple of albums on Bandcamp. There's not a huge amount. I think he then released a um, a collection of sampled stuff and um i guess maybe sort of incomplete works in 2021 that he'd finished off but the track i've picked is from his self-titled album castle carousel and it is yacht pop yacht what yacht pop <laughs> yacht rock <laughs> that's staying in as opposed to yacht rock yacht, yeah, what, yacht huh? pop yeah, well, you always fucking yeah, picking fucking yachts. What, dickhead? <laughs> always picking yacht stuff. You are. Well, I really enjoy it. Like what? What? What I will say is, you know, the, the, the last yeah. track's called Acapulco, and oh. it is ultimately just a slow down and future funk Collins, version of, um, you know, Loco and Acapulco, and it is, it is quite fun. Mm-hmm. But nice. I wouldn't put it in a set. It's a bit. It, it's a little bit too out there. Yeah. But um, the the tracks themselves in terms of that that particular EP it just feels really it feels really decent it feels really well made really well produced um, as a lot of um, Future Funk naturally is but it um, yeah I was kind of I was kind of uh, a, bit, a bit like Jerome I was kind of grabbed by it <coughs> nice. I felt bad that I hadn't listened to this guy's stuff before
Can I throw a quick question back? Because um, it's interesting what you were saying when you were uh, putting your set together and you, you've kind of gone off piste rather than following the brief and playing synthwave because it's a 27-hour mm. synthwave festival yeah. or something. I feel like there's a lot of people that I speak to who are... Um, I don't know whether losing interest, losing love for is 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 a bit too strong, and I don't want to be, I don't want to like set down a path of negativity about the synthwave scene. But it seems that a lot of the people who've been interested in it for a long time are maybe taking a pause and a breather. And there's still some really good stuff, but there's not as much. Yeah, great I think a pause and a breather is a good way of putting it. Yeah, I uh, interestingly when we were when we were talking about the website earlier on, I've kind of three quarters written a piece about um, synthfam as it's. You know, okay, collectively, yeah. collectively known as, and the, so that is the hashtag that was kind of that came up, especially during lockdown in particular, which is about supporting the, the scene. It, and it, it's the association it of people that support the scene in terms of synth wave, and the the writing is about the the extremely positive impact it's had, and whether there's any potential negative impact on it. Anyway, that that that's an aside to it, but I think what links to it is you're right. There are a number of individuals, particularly who have been quite strong and champion the scene who have i think taken a bit of a time out and don't want to completely leave it entirely but there is something about the idea that i really and we are we have gone off piece a little bit but the idea that synthwave is dead long live synthwave in the sense that traditional synthwave or you could guess you could say outrun as, as it's kind of you know origins doesn't really exist in terms of what people are producing anymore but synthwave has become a much wider you know, uh, genre that's including a number of you know artists. Be it mm-hmm. it's, it's found its way into the the likes of the weekend, etc. So synthwave does exist in a form. I think the issue with it is it's um, it's losing its some originality, and I think that's where people are, are struggling a bit. And for me personally, you know, in terms of like you say, picking a non synthwave set is ultimately it, it's more fun, it's more interesting to explore. Um, there is more variety in that um, in that particular genre, and you know, don't get me wrong, it's not just future funk. I kind of finish off with a bunch of '90s dance hits, but mm-hmm. it, again, it's kind of it fits, and it's and, it, and it, it doesn't feel like you're just playing an hour of the same music. And like you say, I think for 27 hours of synthwave, it's not bad to have an hour of something quite different. Yeah. Need a lot of Mountain Dew to listen to that much synthwave. <laughs> you, 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 do, you do. And like you say, that you know, let, let's, let's be fair, we're, we're sat around here ultimately saying that we, we, we've we done shows that promote the that promote the genre and that's because it's the right I still love it. I mean, I, I will always love it. And I think that, like anything, you go through periods when you need to pause and reflect because you can't just listen to the same thing repeatedly. I mean, if, right. if anyone is desperate for Outrun, the Neon Knox album that came out on New Retrowave uh, mm-hmm. just the other day is pretty old school in its style. And when I played it, it gave me kind of member berries for when I first discovered New Retrowave as a YouTube channel and was experiencing that kind of excitement of, of hearing something new. But there's only so much that people can do the 80s, I guess. And I maybe, think so. Maybe yeah. the synthwave is dead, long live synthwave thing might need to happen in the same way that some people argue that the vaporwave is dead, long live vaporwave kind of meme happened because you have to destroy something to rebuild it sometimes and come back with something fresh because we can't keep doing the same thing yeah. forever. But maybe we should. A lot of music happened in the 80s, right? It's quite it is a rich mind to explore uh, absolutely. Though, isn't it? You absolutely. know, I, um I'm going to I'm going to be very very rude and um and hop in uh, like given that we were talking about sort of uh taking sort of hiatuses and pauses um because my uh, my pick's a, a power P- P- I can't speak. My pick is a power PC me track. 
uh, from their new album, Seeking, Ex- Seeking Existence in the Rural Chorus. Um, and yeah, we kind of hinted at it earlier, but um, you know, Power, C- Power PC Me kind of ducked out of our scene for a little bit, I think was feeling slightly burned out or wanted to try kind of new things. I think moved over kind of more into a kind of streaming streaming world, which isn't something I'm that massively plugged into, but I think was doing kind of music streaming um, and sort of, sort of left the vapor scene for a little bit, but had sort of kind of teased and dangled these really cool tracks mm. in front of us before docking out. And um, these tracks seem to have surfaced now. And also Power PC Me seems to be back, which is we're we're very, very thankful mm-hmm. for. Um, I really love the record. It's, it's one of the, you know, it, in terms of things that speak to me, you know, um, Enzo, you were just saying that, like things that give you memo berries and stuff. Um, yeah. In terms of records that speak to me, like this is probably probably the most kind of direct record of the year for me, I'd say, because um, I grew up on all the same shit, like same. Boards of Canada records and Square Pusher <laughs> records, Aphex Twin, Prodigy, you know, uh, music, yeah, all this Planet Planet Mu stuff, yeah. Um, and I think um, he's really captured that, like, really beautifully. Like, it's it's fucking well produced. Like, I've always Power PC Me's always been an excellent producer, but like, this sounds like a level up to my ears. Like, it's really really captured that style and that's not an easy style to capture plus it's got his own spin on it um with these kind of signal wavy kind of um found sounds and stuff um i've been listening to it a bunch on headphones as i walk around and it's really immersive um the track that i like the most is swimming in solar cycles um that really has this beautiful sort of idm thing where like the beats are kind of quite punishing but the melodies are very beautiful these kind of haunted ice cream mm. van melodies you know kind of plinky plonky with 60 seconds of reverb that kind of thing like that that gets me in the feels so um shout out power, power pc me love it
quick mention for uh, people. If you like what you heard there, we've got tapes, mini discs and CDs available at mypetflamingo.com on our Bandcamp. Uh, it's a fucking fantastic album. Really go and check it all out. I, was, I bet it was hard to pick one track, on. Yeah, um, I like. I really like the remix as well. It's like um, it's a short record, isn't it? Eight tracks, including two remixes. Yeah. Mm. But um, um, I'd imagine, you know, he's really sort of kind of pared it down to the bone. You know, like there's there's not any kind of fluff on it. Um, uh, Jay and I have been talking about it a, a bunch, kind of in in relation to you know how we're planning our new Donor Lens record, and like we might not go as as to the bone as this. You know, eight tracks, but like. Um, there's no filler on it, basically. You know, even even though two of the tracks are remixes, the remixes are excellent. Like it's it's you know short and sweet, in and out, does does the job, and it's it's fantastic. Bob's your uncle, <laughs> really well considered. <laughs> Rob will be right up your street. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, let's let's come to you, Rob. So so what's your track? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, so uh, what you were just saying, Mr. Fakeman, really resonated with me. Um, you know. Me and Joe did Forever Synth, uh, and you joined us for, for, for you know, a couple of years, two or three years, and, and I think I just reached... Until you walked out I walked in. <laughs> I know. It was like, let's get a lot. Oh, Fakeman's finally finally said yes. Ah, oh, we've had enough. Nah, yeah, fuck this. Um, it's, um, it, we just reached saturation point, I think, and there was some like you know mm-hmm. personal matters why we couldn't get into London as frequently. But um, there's a long tail, isn't there, of, of synthwave artists sort of making it by numbers, and I just needed a break. We all needed a break. So I've been... Um, I've been hanging out in Mastodon, as you know, bloody big Mastodon fan here. It feels like Twitter in 2007, and it's just loads of really small artists just try dropping their, dropping their stuff. So I was going to pick something that was a bit drum and bassy um, called Honeydew. It's just this So Cool remix. I was thinking of doing something that was like going to be a synth hip-hop trap uh, by this new artist called uh, Ono Sende. In the end, I just went with the theme of this week, and I've picked a track from uh, Discoholic, which is from the uh, the Vaporwave uh, P- uh, Pacific Plaza album, because I just thought, it's Christmas time, 1st of December, the tree's mm-hmm. up, let's just go full on. And it ain't Synthwave, and it ain't Vaporwave, it's like a really decent kind of new disco, new funk, kind of future funk sounding thing. It's got a, a live vocal on it, uh, Matthew Clanton, no relation. Um, and it's just a lovely track. And they've got a little, you know, they've got a, a thing on it which makes it sound like a kind of early 80s authentic number, whereas some of Discoholic stuff sounds uh, freshly produced, just sounds, sounds like, a, like, a, like a new new disco stuff. And this sounds like it could be from mm. that sort of era, um, which makes it more befitting for this particular record. So it's Discoholic featuring Matthew Clanton, and it's called Christmas to Me. Big man is coming, the halls are dead. I bet he's making sure his list is double checked. Season of loving with no regrets. Children keep asking, can they open presents yet? It's the best time of the year. Turn your troubles into cheer. Love your loved ones, keep them near. That's the reason that we're here 
You hear those jingle bells And you're under the spell Yeah, you've been good this year And everyone can tell And on this holy night The stars are shining bright It's Christmas time And you gon' be alright The snow is falling It's glistening Ho, ho, ho Yeah, it's Christmas to me My friends and family Fantastic radio voice. Yeah, you should do a radio show. One. I know. I might think about doing it. Yeah. Sure, it might, might, might be some shit like that. Have you done it previously, prior to Brother Seth? <laughs> um, no, but I did a digital radio production course a few years ago, where I'd created a bunch of fake adverts, and I did lots of radio voices, and I did a sort of Talking news piece on St Helier Hospital in nice. Carshalton, and I interviewed the local MP about Come that. I was I, I was at St Helier's last year when I had my moment. Oh yes, I was born in St Helier's. It, 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 it's like a fucking asylum. Yeah. asylum. It looks it like, like it, it looks like that place in yeah. Gotham. Ar- What's that Ar- place Ar- in Gotham called? Arkham Asylum. Arkham, Arkham, it looks like Arkham. Arkham. Yeah, Arkham. it's like dark and foreboding, and it looks grey as fuck, and it's meant to be like white, and it just looks like black. It's like you, Hammersmith Hospital because it's got scrubs next to it. Wormwood oh, Scrubs Prison. Yeah, hey, yeah. yeah, it does. It's grim. Yeah, Jerome, mm. you were born there. Where? Worm of Scrubs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mum was a, yeah, I was going to say inmate. Mum was a, yeah, she was a, she was a, uh, what's the word? Yeah, inmate. Yeah, that's the word. He was a Holloway baby. That's the way it was. Yeah, he were all he Wait, digress. Sorry, Mum. Wait. Mate, how does Mastodon work, Rob? I've been trying to figure it out for days. Yeah. It's a bit it's so confusing. It's a bit wank the way you have to sign off. How often do you Mastodon? After Mastodon. Not as, <laughs> now I'm 44, I get it. It's really difficult to even get a, a sense of a, a sensation of Mastodoning. Um, it's like, it's a pain in the arse because <laughs> it, um, it, it, it makes you join a fucking server. It's more complicated than yeah. Discord, for God's sake. So, but once mm. you are in, oh, God. it's no different to. Twitter really because you can all the servers speak to each other so I've joined the Synthwave social server ironically but it's only about 50 people knocking about so it's not an overloaded server it doesn't slow because the amount of users so that was quite you know nifty Mm. and then you can just like the search is fucked you have to kind of go to the web browser version look follow some hashtags get the full if you try and do it through the app it's like oh I'm going to show you one tweet and I'm going to make out that they've only got one follower and then you go to the browser and it's like oh they've got 700 you know what the fuck? It, it 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 feels a bit like moving to a village, and you're in that village, and that's where you live, and you can be friends with people in the village next door, but you can't ever belong. And, and <laughs> you know, it kind of feels a little oh, bit cool. like you're, you're, you're yeah, in your village. Yeah, I did look that. I did have that vibe of I'm not from round here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you could. There's like a federated type. I hate this is all, a local I hate server for local people. But you can listen to your local uh, feed. And then you can go to the federated, yeah. which is like. The so global. I worked that bit out, and, uh, but um, but this, I think, I, I, did, but did, do, you, do you not find the challenge with it is it's almost like starting again, yeah. isn't it? And not, yeah. it, it, there's because followers isn't a thing, but particularly I guess I'm thinking about Enzo and and, and Jay here in the sense of you know your your followers is a um is a hugely important a piece of too. what you do. To, to yeah. start again feels a little bit like... Well, I set up this, a feed. You know? I set up a feed, and I, I probably need to spend some time over a couple of pints with Rob 
to Let's do like, it. or someone who you know someone who, who's doing it and knows knows how to kind of quickly cut through yeah. that learning because I've already got I've already got guys 304 followers and in Mastodon terms that's probably a few thousand wow. in Twitter terms because it's a much smaller that, that, that's a, a group much smaller session, I am Mastodoning <laughs> to effect mutual, mutual Mastodon <laughs> but people are talking about you know My Pet Flamingo and Vaporwave Vinyl and somebody saying oh I'm listening to Miami Virtual by Dan Mason like you know app My Pet Flamingo yeah. so like I, yeah I get I think you have to be quite yeah so I don't know it's worth dabbling if you've got time Vince but I, I I mean, so, uh, but to be honest, um, I've had a lot of, I've been sacking off work and just like spending a lot of time on it. So it's an investment, but there ain't no way it's better than Twitter in terms of you reaching an audience that you want to sell records to and engage with. Sure. But at the moment, I've just, I think I said in the WhatsApp group, I've just reframed what I want at the moment. And it's not doom, doom scrolling. It's a little community who are knocking about, talking about the same movies and music as me. You know, you've kind of, you kind of we had this conversation the other week because we I think a lot of people seem to have kind of looked at the way they uh take in social media at the minute. Like I found it quite I found like I I was doing a lot of doom scrolling, not just on Twitter, on, on all platforms. And my girlfriend and I, we both sit and watch TV and we quite often just look at each other and like, you're not even fucking watching. No. <laughs> like you're asking me, you're asking me what's happened, and you're scrolling yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. through Instagram. I relate to that. Like from 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 eight, from seven in the morning when you wake up for a little while before you get out of bed, mm. and then every like waking minute that you've got in the evening it's as well. And we were both doing it, and I've actually turned off my notifications on WhatsApp. I've like, I've cut down like kind of the direct. Uh, in-your-face interaction that you get with some of these platforms so that I can go and have a look and catch up. And it's kind of become exciting to check things like WhatsApp yeah. or Spot or or, um, or Twitter in a way because I'm not being confronted with it constantly. I think it's it's difficult for us because it's sort of semi-justifiable as work. Yeah. It's sort of like an added layer, isn't it? Like, so, you know, my, my missus will sort of rightly point out that I'm doom-scrolling and I'll be like, oh, I'm <laughs> working. And yeah. Yeah, I'm sort it's of research. firing off memes to the Iverson group. You know, like it's, <laughs> it, it's, it is work, but it's fucking tenuous. But I think what I was finding was happening was that I was going into the office and come the end of the eight hours that I'd be there, like I'm questioning how much I've actually achieved because I've got sidetracked. I go onto Twitter to get an address that someone's given me so we can sort out sending artists copies of records, just as one example. Yeah. And then I find myself seeing a notification. And then I start scrolling through a feed i get a reddit notification i'm like scrolling like anxiously scrolling through a feed because someone's posted about a record that's arrived damaged and you start looking at all the negative comments and dwelling on them and questioning whether you should reply to them and what can be gained by that and it's just yeah it's just some of it's hard it is you weren't you you weren't faffing were you you faffing on, on the topic, on the topic of faff and um, things that are immensely stressful, um, should we cast our minds back to sort of early slash mid November um, and sort of talk about the Double Vision show yeah. and also the kind of filming that was happening for the for sure. Nobody Here documentary? So why don't why don't you why don't you set the scene? Because um, you know both of these things were happening in East London, sort of. Yeah, weekend yeah. of November the twelfth, I think. Well, I guess was. we did the so, filming yeah. first, so I might as set well. The scene. I might as well set the yeah. scene on that in that regard. Like one of the things that that happened to us with the making of the film and with the time that was lost due to COVID was that we ended up losing certain amounts of money because of tax and going into new financial years, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Flights became more expensive and the budget got more challenged, and so we've been quite tight on money. And one of the ways that we've been able to get around that 
is that rather than flying out to Jaunt uh, Cat System Court in Finland to do an interview there and taking three people and kit there, we were able, as the film, to pay for him to come over here and interview him. That's a lot cheaper than all of us going over there. And then the, as a show, we were able to book him to play to play the show. So we had um, Jaunt Cat System Corp and Alex Ducat come over um, to play this show just just a couple of weeks ago. And we, we got interviews with both of them. Uh, in particular, I mean, the one that we were absolutely nailed on to get all along was obviously Cat System Corp because mm. his influence... On the on the wider scene is huge, you know. Even just whether you're talking about the landmark iconic albums that he's produced, the fact that he's a very big name European producer, I think, adds to the kind of global story that the film's trying to tell. Um, so we had an Airbnb in uh, in Hackney. Was it Hackney? Yeah, it was Hackney, wasn't it? Yeah, it had no windows, mate. Mate, it was like it was like it was a it was bit so like strange. the kind of industrial buildings that we we're filming in in New York, in the sense yeah. that it was kind of a reclaimed yeah. creative space or working mm. space. And mm. like you said, like no matter where you were, in, apart from in two of the bedrooms, you had like a, a narrow meter of of of, of light that came and, in. And yeah, there was a, a bit of a Big Brother house, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, 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 it was really nice. Camp. Yeah, it was really nice. And and it was no good porno being recorded in there, though. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the main stuff. difference. <laughs> But it was kind of good. It was kind of good to have a base uh, for a couple of days before the show because it meant we could go to and from the venue uh, quite easily to be prepared for that. And uh, we managed to do filming there, which saved us money on uh, getting studios. We got uh, Chris came down from Wales to film and uh, direct and uh, do some green screen work there. So we got two really good interviews. Shout out to Chris wearing slippers as well <laughs> all the way down. Yeah, he's wow. comfortable. He'll be he comfortable drove when he's working. That's, that's, that's hazardous. I don't know if you drove in them. I'm not they're sure. Like they're driving shoes, not like those outdoor slippers. They, they were very impressive. Anyway, apologies. But it, it <laughs> does feel like, it feels like we're getting very close now. I think, to be fair, we, we said that we'd, we'd accomplish 90% of the filming when we come back from America or whatever percentage I threw out of the air. Um, <laughs> I think the only thing that we've got left to do, we're going to go to Belgium. There's a couple of artists that are based in Europe uh, that we want to grab. And we're going to try to go to Japan. And I think that would really see us done so the aim is by March perhaps to have done those trips have them have them in the bag have the footage in the bag and get on to editing and, and finishing up the film so yeah there's a couple of like grants that we've been looking into uh, things that can help us with post-production because we want this to be proper like I know there's a lot of people who kind of think we could have phoned in the film and done something uh, Zoom based yeah. Uh, which might have been in the spirit of an online scene, but it kind of isn't what Chris wants to do. He wants to make a proper feature film. And I think that the effort that we've gone to to, to achieve that will feel rewarding at the end. And hopefully... Um, I, I, I think from an outsider's point of view, and I think I've probably said this before, but having met Chris um, and originally in London and then obviously spent some time with him in, in, him in New York, the, guy, the vision that you guys have got, and, and obviously him along the way, I was... Like, it, it's a different level to what I was expecting the documentary to be. Um, yeah. Super impressed in terms of what it, how it looks. You know, obviously how it will sound and the the imagination that's gone into it as well. It could so easily be just people sat in a room chatting to them, asking questions, but it, it's way more than that. And I think people are in for yeah. a um, without giving anything away. Pe- people are in for a nice surprise in that sense. It's an it's a really an imaginative, smart piece of. Um, well, pieces of film that have come together nicely, I hope. Yeah. And the job's always... It's in way area. more um, imaginative even than some, like, big documentaries that you see on BBC4 or Sky Arts, you know, about big-name artists <coughs> and they get the contributors just all sat in, kind of, and a mixed-up desk. 
brick brick wall studio space or whatever like every contributor has got a location that kind of is meaningful to their art absolutely and you know just the just these details hopefully will matter and hopefully people are forgiving of this you know takes taking some time i mean i, d- I saw somebody saying you know why is it taking five years to make yeah. and uh you know, i think enzo you i might think i bit like, i broke my rule of replying to that one i said well the crowdfunding <laughs> so where's five years, years come from yeah it might feel like it. it feels like five years to me mate it feels like five years to me yeah sure but I think probably the biggest disclaimer that's worth throwing out there is that there is no way on earth that everyone is going to be happy with it. I think that what we can honestly say is that we were honest and true in our intentions to do the best possible film we can, but there is no question that there will be people who feel that certain aspects, certain individuals, certain themes Mm -hmm. are missing because we're not making uh, a multi-series episodic uh, piece. We're making a film and that's going to be a hard thing to condense. And uh, there might be some people who don't like the conclusions that are drawn by the the interviews that we did, but we've done our best, and it will be um, it will be the best possible film that we could do. Yeah. And I think it'd be a lot better than a lot of people even dream it could be. I really, I I really so. feel that way. I really I feel that so. way. We put a lot of heart into it, and that's the most important yeah. thing. There's no, you know, like I did see. I, I won't do them the justice of of naming them, but I did see someone kind of implying that there's like some kind of egotistical cash grab element i mean fuck me i've put in hours i've taken nothing i've done nothing but lose money and my brother's the same and even chris the director he's not taking any money he's turned down jobs that pay him proper money Mm. to literally have a fucking sandwich paid for during a during several days of filming do you know what i mean like we are we are this is being done out of love and this is being done at cost to us so um yeah Maybe I'm going Why don't we? What about in terms of the cash grab? What, I think we should talk a little bit more about the echoes from the past. Yeah. Okay. Record, yeah, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's. Oh, cash grab. So the, oh, the real cash grab. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. 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 So the brief was quite simple. I mean, I, I wrote a piece um, on the uh, Future Sounds website, which is up there for people to check, and you can actually check out a few of the tracks. I think we previewed three mm-hmm. tracks from this as well. Um, the brief was quite simple. We got artists. Uh, some of them are newer. Some of them are older. Uh, quite a few people are very big names. Um, and what they've done is they've kind of reapproached uh, the original samples, so the plunderphonic roots of Vaporwave. A good example of it would be Eve.exi, um, who has done a reimagination, kind of a future funk banger of a reimagination of Lisa Frank, which has got to be the most ambitious track that you could take on. It's a bold move, hmm. that. Um, and like Vanitas, for example, has done um, a, a version of Esprit's Summer Nights. Um, and yeah, the, the the aim of this is to kind of um, yeah, like reinvent, reimagine, um, recontextualize some of these classic tracks, uh, bring them into a new kind of new style, new ears, um, and to raise a little bit of money, hopefully to get to Japan. And then that that's it. That's we're kind of a tiny bit short. And the the other alternative is that we just sell your out of our own pockets. So I'd rather do it this way because I feel like what's been achieved here is an absolutely beautiful uh, collection of uh, people really trying to do justice to some classic tracks. It's a, it's a quite a bold move pulling, pulling something like this off and I think it works. I think that everyone who's put the tracks in is pretty proud of how they come out. The response has been positive to be fair. Actually, surprisingly little 
kind of blowback from people. Well, there, there, there was one incident of somebody being annoyed about the the official soundtrack not containing them or, or whatever. There, there, were, there was something. Yeah, I think people didn't uh, know that they, they didn't realise what it was. I think it was, yeah, people who yeah. wrongly assumed that this was going to be the announcing of a soundtrack, which it isn't. We haven't done the soundtrack. No. The film's yeah. not finished. This is quite a specific thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's sort of tangentially related to the film and it, it, it helps fund the film. But again, yeah, if you want to find out more and if you want to hear the tracks, um, I think we've got Eve.exi's track, we've got Dan Mason's track, which is a, a cover, I think I'd say a cover of Aquatic Ambience. I'm being forced to, to Google my own article here. <laughs> Future sounds. And of course we've got NRail's... Uh, Take on uh, Death Dynamic Shrouds CD player number two. Is it number two? Four. I get confused by the kanji. CD four, player number four. Now that's. There we go, Drum. CD player number four. CD player number two, it says nah. on the site. Yeah, it's oh, two. Because he's called DVD player number <laughs> oh, one. Oh, shit. Sorry, I ruined it. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> take two. And of course, we got M-Rail's take on um, Death Dynamic Shroud's track, CD Player Part 2, which I think, and I said this in the piece, is probably the most faithful edition and like the super glitchiness of Death Dynamic Shroud, like how he's done that justice, like re- recreated and replicated that. Like, mm. it's just like glitchy, fragmented sound. It's a, it's a wonderful... Yeah. Um, Turned up. Take on it. Yeah, it's, it's fucking mad. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, so future sounds, future-sounds.co.uk and uh, you can find out a lot about the stuff we've been talking about there. Cool. Okay. All right. Um, so we were just chatting about Death Dynamic Shroud. Um, if we cast our minds back to sort of mid-November um, when this was all happening, um, there was pure chaos in the UK. I think um, rail strikes... Cost of living crisis. Um, Jay and I had like an emergency donor lens gig that um, I didn't know about. Um, all of this, uh, like, unfortunately, meant that uh, none of us on the Future Sounds panel made it to the Pitchfork Festival at Fabric yeah. to see um, Death Dynamic Shrouds, Negi Jemmy, and George Clanton, which is a fucking shame. Especially, you know, I did. I didn't get to see any of these guys out at Electronicon in the states. Um, so, you know, it's not every day these guys come yeah. to London. In fact, I don't think any of them had ever been to the UK before, as far as I know. Um, so, yeah, it was like a total fucking bummer to miss the show. Um, we've got some correspondents to fill us in and bail us out, which is great. So shout out Polyglot for writing in to us. Um, um, I'm going to read what he, what he's written because um, he's provided like a really, really great oh, review man. of the event at Fabric. So... Um, yeah, he's, go- he's saying stuff about the, the rail strike. Um, and he said, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of people who said that they were going to attend were unable to make it. Um, anyway, he says, Destiny at Shrouds, their set consisted of tracks from their much lauded album of the year, Dark Life. They performed a mix of pre-recorded synths, guitars and vocals, uh, both of them singing. Pad Chennington says, best in that Death Dynamic Shroud make the chaotic world seem ordered. Seeing them live was a different experience and um, made this even more even more apparent. The other two acts, Negi Jemmy and George Clanton, catered towards a more broad audience. For all these acts, this was either their first time or, um, in the UK or first time in a while. The energy and euphoria from George's set stayed with me after the event of it 
finished. Uh, both acts employed a really high level of experienced showmanship, owning the whole stage and the crowd. There was at least 250, 300 people in the audience. A uh, good quarter of those wearing some kind of label-related merch, uh, proving that you know uh, this scene does have a real following in the UK. Um, and uh, he goes on to say that he was lucky enough to meet Tech and James, and he also met... Uh, I think he's called Lord Depis, who's the artist behind a lot of Tupperwaves yeah. records. Yeah, which is yeah, cool. I didn't know mm. he's UK based. So yeah, shout out Polyglot for that. He actually reviewed our show as well. I might read a bit of that out later, but yeah, we we should review our show as well. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously, really sad to miss out on that show. Fabric is a place that means a lot to me. I've spent many many a night there. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of us did. Um, yeah, and there's there's definitely like a kind of slice of Anglophilia in this kind of 100% electronic and music, like the fact that they're really into their breaks and their drum and bass and this, you know, what they call Vaporwave Zero kind of thing. It must have meant a lot to them, you know, uh, coming to Fabric. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really bummed out that I didn't make it to see them. But thanks, thanks, Polyglot. Complete arse end of London for me and I, I forsook my ticket, which is a, a right shitter. Did, did Polyglot say that it was... we all did. Yeah. Did Polyglot say that it was well attended though? Was it... Yeah, 250, 300. Yeah, good, it was, but like, I think... I think noticeably a few people missing, but I think that might have meant, meant us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's shame, this but was we, the thing. We, we got to see him the next day, didn't we? Or two, two days later, so, yeah. you know. This was the thing with that, was that even when I got to Hackney after driving from Wales on the day, it was still a good two and a half hours, like any other way I could get there because of the tube strikes. Yeah. And by I the time you've done all that, about it, yeah. It was just, we, we tried, we tried. And it would have been lovely. I, I mean, I, you know, we made it out to, some of us made it out to see them in New York and that, that was pretty special. Yeah. It was almost easier, <laughs> right? Probably. Yeah. Well, it, it would have yeah, taken yeah. less time, it feels, right. anyway. And it's, it's sad because I'd have liked to have seen them there and I'd like to have seen for myself a bit where well, he touched on it there when he said there was a lot of um, BAM label merch, that kind of thing, uh, which mm -hmm. kind of proves that anyone who was cynically looking at this being Pitchfork sponsored might have thought it was kind of like a timeout crowd, right. you might say. You know, people who are going to the cool gig that aren't necessarily yeah. pre-aware of the style mm -hmm. of music. They're just kind mm -hmm. of going in the blind notion that there. it's out of fabric it's it's yeah it looks yeah. like a good show i'd say there's only a handful of people who are going to do that because tickets are so expensive these days you know yeah. taking a 20 quid punt on something is yeah is actually not something that happens terribly often like um i've i've been seeing more and more tours being cancelled and kind of artists being a little bit sort of sad or mopey or moany about having to cancel tour dates and stuff because you know they're having to compete with so many things these days yeah and um you know um I think, you know, maybe we can chat about it at the end, but like, you know, we're we're trying to sort of move into the live event sphere at a time when when live music is really struggling. And actually, there's an argument that we're not fucking idiots. Um, there's an argument that we are, <laughs> but there's, a, there's, there's an argument that the demand for our kind of music is there and there's there's a trend that's being bucked. There's a there's a broad trend that definitely exists. Well, do you know what I'd but, say on that? You know, <clears throat> quickly, quickly, can I just... Yeah, go on. What's what's the argument yeah. for us being fucking idiots in this situation? <laughs> that we're moving that we're moving into the live live yeah, event sphere at a time when live music is off. is really really struggling. There is something uh, to uh, and, and Enzo say what you well, want to say. No, what you, I was going to say was I can remember when I was I used to have a a pretty mundane day job which I won't I won't describe for you in any detail. But when I when I was I was finding myself doing all my lunch breaks like packing up tapes and all that stuff and I think my boss at the time said to me why don't you quit and give it a go 
and then um, and kind of you know if it, if it goes tits up then you can come back and have your job back you know he'd always promised me that I could come back and have my job which was a nice thing it took the pressure off in some respects but quite a lot of my colleagues thought like how many people could be listening to this music it's so niche yeah. but I said at the time and I had this feeling that if you can if you can boss a niche or if you can get a good position within yeah. a niche then you can make something work and all we've ever set out to do me and my brother is to be able to pay our bills um, yeah. We don't take a mo- we don't really take a modest income from what we do, but it's enough to be able to do this full time. And I think that there's the yeah. potential there with our live shows if we're careful with the curation of the acts to subvert the trend for people not going to as many live gigs because there isn't so much of vaporwave and synthwave being put on in a live sphere. Yeah. It might be competing with other genres, but if you're picky and you're careful and you don't try and put on too many shows, it's kind of you know once a quarter people are gonna really do everything they can to get there because it's not something yeah. they can do every week. <clears throat> yeah, that's the driving principle behind this, isn't it? That that's that's well these shows yeah, are do, with I, the driving principle is just to break even or to prove to ourselves that we can do this without wrecking ourselves financially yeah. and that's, you know, and with love and and hopefully showcasing some of these bands that we booked to new audiences in person, which is quite I'd a nice be, thing to be able to do. I'd be interested to know how Rob found it from a consumer <coughs> point of view. In terms of turning up, how how it felt because you because you went to both our events the first did, one yeah. beginning of the year March and then November and I think I remember you you described it as being a step up from it and I it f- I've got my own views on how it was but I'm interested to see what, what what your views were from there on the night and how it felt yeah for sure man I mean you guys were behind the scenes you you put the whole thing on so you will have it's been like a wedding isn't it you, you don't know what's going wrong because people don't let you see that I guess and as a punter I certainly didn't well the first one had some issues with the some delays on some of the acts, wasn't it? And so, so you were you were mm, falling yeah. a little, little behind. Mm. This one felt right, man. Folklore was a really lovely venue. It was aesthetically suited pretty perfectly to the acts on the night. Or the house plans. Yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah, it did look really resident cat. <laughs> yeah, resident cat on the on the. It was vibey. It was, yeah, it, was it really was. So so like plaudits, plaudits for the venue, and I would love to. I'd go there again for for another do, unless you guys yeah. wanted to mix it's, it up. It's brilliant place. It's really wicked and super easy for me to get to and, and stuff like that. Um, the pace and the um, diversity of the acts was really really good. I think it was a pretty golden choice to have somebody as diverse as Peter Hotline, for example. Who just played like a drum and bass set, and he's like a you know whatever modern liquid drum and bass, whatever you want to call it, artist in stark con- you know contrast to more like vaporwave proper. So it was really diverse. Like when I got the bus home in the early hours, uh, there was a couple of guys from um, going back to Copenhagen, and they were literally just getting the bus back to the airport, going to have a little nap, and then just fly back home. And they said, "Yeah, we came over, and we they came over to see Peter Hotline." So it's mad. You've got people coming from all over Europe. I got I bought something from the. Um, uh, Allo guys, uh, uh, you know, yeah. it, it was it was it was a wicked night, man. It felt really really special, and I just applaud you for for, for putting it on and and bringing everybody together for it. And um, yeah, there were some folks that were kind of like sat in the bar and had a chat and a catch up, and that was cool too. But if you ventured in and out uh, of the DJs and of the acts, you, you saw a huge spectrum, uh, you know, of, of music and genres and subgenres. So uh, it was wicked, guys. Really, really good. Future I think um, I've got a couple of pl- clips from from artists who performed. So you know, in in the edit, I might drop them in there. But we got some clips from Cat System Corp, uh, from Ducat, uh, from Pizza Hotline, and we've got uh, 
sort of a typically rambling and funny um, little note from Johnny from Iverson as well. So I might, might drop some of those in there now. Hi there, this is Harvey, aka Pizza Hotline. I'm just dropping in for a little debrief, decompression after the uh, Double Vision the Double Vision event hosted by My Pet Flamingo that I played at. It was awesome fun. Uh, it's also nice to be back on the Future Sounds FM podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. Um, yeah, the night was wicked. The venue, uh, let's start with the venue. The venue was so interesting, kooky, uh, left field, really lovely. It was so refreshing to go to a venue that was a bit more bohemian. Uh, I think it was a really great choice uh, from you promoters. Thank you so much. And uh, it was cool that everyone was selling their merch. You had Allo City World, the, the My Pet Flamingo guys were selling merch and Corp was selling his merch. I had a little mini merch table that I was kind of flogging my wares, which was great. Um, and it was nice, you know, when I played my set, it was just nice uh, to see such a energetic uh, crowd. It was really ex- exhilarating and um, people kind of reacting when I played my tunes in amongst other tunes I was playing. And I kind of felt like people recognized them, which was really nice. Um, um, it was such a great feeling, and the crowd was so full of energy, and um, and just and for that matter, like all of the other acts were full of energy, and and just brought something so different to the table. It wasn't just kind of the same thing over and over. It was every single act was very very different um, and contributed so much to the evening. We had Cat System Corp needs no kind of introduction Evexy uh, this person that I met there he's a great guy and he played a killer set uh, the amazing Iverson who I, I was I didn't know much about until the night um, Donor Lens uh, really impressed with their work and Enzo and Patrick as well like like everyone just played so many great tunes and brought so many good vibes um, and there was just so much innovating and interesting music that uh, always is the reason I get up in the morning to be honest with you um and, you know, the whole evening just showed me how alive and uh, fertile this music scene really is, how passionate the fans are. And, yeah, just uh, want to say thanks to everyone and, and my Pet Flamingo crew for, like, you know, for their hospitality and looking after me and, you know, just, just showing me a good time. So thanks a lot. Hi, my name is Cat Corp, Cat System Corp. My real... <laughs> I started with my artist name. I don't know if I should do that. Should I do that? Let's do that again. Hi, my name is Cat System Corp. And um, thank you for having me on the podcast. About the evening, that was it was absolutely crazy. It was crazy. It was the um, first time that I've played again since 2019. And first UK show. So that was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was awesome. I loved it. It, um, it felt a bit strange to be back on the stage again. Actually, I've only done two gigs before this, like in LA and my hometown, Leeuwarden, and now London. Must be something with cities starting with an L, I guess. But um, yeah, it went it went great. I mean, the venue was absolutely beautiful. It uh, had this weird uh, vibe going on with like jungle stuff and. I don't know how to even describe it. It was like you walked into this whole different dimension or something. And it had it had a house cat. And I have never been so uh, politely ignored by a cat. It was it was a very cute cat. Yes, absolutely, but um it did not want to uh, interact with the cat system corp. <laughs> well, 
Well, you know how cats can be. Anyway, um, evening, yeah, like I said, crazy. The, the crowd was amazing. I've met so many fans. Even I was nervous about meeting some fans. Like, like, like I, w I would meet someone famous. Um, I mean, I've known people from Instagram. Um, I even met someone who buys records of mine in my uh, shop. And uh, he introduced himself and was like, hey, I know you. And because we've been emailing back and forth a couple of times about orders or records. And um, it's great that you can now put a, a face to the name. Like you can meet people in real life. And I mean, we even at some point had discussions about uh, News at 11 and uh, other albums. And it was amazing talking with fans and other artists as well. I mean, um, in the front, we had this little merch uh, corner. That was great. Just standing there, interacting with everyone. And uh, I shared my little corner with Pizza Hotline. <laughs> so nice to meet you, Harvey. Hope you're listening. Yeah, you're listening. And um, yeah, well, my pet Flamingo and all the all the other guys, did, they did a great job. I mean, what, 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 are, what more can you wish for? It, uh, it was a great evening. Big success. Um, I'm looking forward to the third. I'm definitely looking forward to if I can ever play again in London or... Uh, somewhere else in the UK or um, having everyone over here in mainland Europe Netherlands, Finland I mean we're ready for it so yeah it was it was great in one word it was great and um, I really enjoyed my time in London yo it's Ducat shout out to Time Slave my pet Flamingo Patrick Fakeman Double Visions Future Sounds was great, epic, first time in the UK. Wish I could have stayed longer, man, for real. Really enjoy the company, meeting everybody there and exploring the city with Cat Corp later on. Such a good time. And I'll see you on the next one. Keep it funky, keep it vapor. I'll see you. Peace. Hey, it's Johnny from Iverson. I'm speaking to you from my new gaff in uh, undisclosed location. So, uh, Future Sounds 2. Yeah, awesome, awesome night. We went down to Folklore in Hoxton. Wicked little venue, very unique. They had a cat. Yeah, they had a cat. Um, music was awesome. We had some friggin' sick uh, TV screens playing all the visuals and stuff. Um, yeah, we were coming off the back of... Uh, gig the night before in Leicester. Went back to my old stomping ground uh, when I went to uni. That was good fun, seeing some old friends. Um, really, really sick supporting act that came before us. Uh, yeah, and then came back and played the, the gig the next the next day. So we were, we were buzzing from the night before, um, did our set. Uh, some amazing acts playing at the same night, really good. Um, Pizza Hotline, fucking, when he played uh, the Pokemon jungle thing, oh my God, that went off. Everyone was proper going in for it. Uh, yeah, sick night. Can't wait for Future Sounds 3, the trilogy. Uh, yeah, bye. Thing about when I start when I start talking about audience types and people because I did this for Electronicon and I appreciate that I kind of mumbled on about it but similarly for us I think we when we were 
opening the doors, I look out the I look out the door, and there's a queue of people down yeah. the street queuing up to come in, which was which was lovely. But on top of that, also there, there was um, there was someone there. It was their first ever gig, wow. yeah. and they hadn't been to a gig before, and they were in their sort of mid twenties. I think I'm, I'm going to guess they're in in, in the mid twenties. And they, like, that, I think quite... he was seventeen, and I think he probably shouldn't have been let in as a Pizza Hotline fan. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he'd, he'd, they, this was a guy, right? His pa- his parents, I know, Nark. Um, as far as my understanding is, this guy's parents <coughs> drove him down from from just outside oh. of Manchester. Yeah, they went to for come to the gig. I think that. They went for dinner somewhere and they drove him straight back afterwards. No way. But, um, wow. Yeah, okay. like uh, it's kind of like the first show as well. We had yeah. that couple came down from uh, Manchester and they were going to go straight back to the coach uh, station in Victoria and head straight back wow. home. And we had people from Germany this time again. Yeah. You know, yeah, that lovely couple. Yeah, they listened to this, so shout out to them. Yeah, there were there were at least four people from Germany there. A couple from Copenhagen, like you said, mm. Rob, um, yeah. and a few people. And I even met someone who's from literally the village in the valleys. What? Up the road from where I play cricket. That's crazy. So shout going wow. out to the oh, you uh, could have shared back. Right. Shout going out to the valleys, massive. But I, I, I just thought you know, given that historically there's not been a lot of, if, if you talk about vaporwave events, there's not been a lot of those. But if you think about purely synthwave events, I think those of us in the UK know that they are generally a bit of a sausage fest, <laughs> and they are be, you know. Yeah. Uh, they they can be. I think they they tend to have a, a set crowd of the same people that yeah. you see. There were people there were people at the event who I'd never seen at other events before. There was a real wide range of individuals that were there. Um, yeah. You know, it sounds a bit silly for us to, to bang on about it, but I was super happy with the types of people that we had and and, and how inclusive and great and and, and how broad it was in You're terms of the individuals yeah. that were there. But that's yeah, absolutely for sure. Just the the, the idea that. Yeah. Everyone just enjoyed themselves, and there was um, there, there, there was no trouble. There, there never is any trouble, is there? But it just felt like a really enjoyable experience with a wide range of people. People didn't turn up in bloody midnight t-shirts and varsity jackets, and like you know, let's let's let's. There were no gunship exactly, jackets. Yeah. There were no. It gunship wasn't jackets. like twenty-something lads. As you were, as you were gunship l- jackets to. are allowed. They are. They are. If you wear a gunship jacket, I've, feel free I've, to come to the next I've one because that there will add go. to the diversity. Yeah. We had like proper club kids who were like barely wearing anything at all, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we did. Raving and people and my age and older. Yeah. I mean, people people coming from Berlin because they say these kind of parties don't exist in Berlin. Be like, yeah. every party exists <laughs> yeah. in Berlin. You came all the way to London to our event. That's nuts. It is nuts. It is nuts. Mm. I mean, um, I don't want to sort of blow blow smoke up our own asses too much, but like, I was think maybe like a nice thing to do. Maybe like. If everyone's got like a favorite like tune of the mo- of the evening or like a favorite moment that happened during the evening, a favorite set, like oh. something like that to talk about. I don't think I don't think we need to go through it chronologically for because I don't know how interesting that is for those who weren't there. My favorite well, bit, on, my, yeah, fav- my favorite mm. bit of music that I got to see was yeah. at the end of Pizza Hotline set. He played a remix of um, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what theme it was. It's the Pokemon battle theme, isn't it? Was it, it? the battle theme? It's just one of the battle. Th- was, yeah. it the, was it the battle theme? though? I'm not sure it was. It, okay. it was. It was. It was it's one like, of the. Th- he said he made it as a teenager, yeah. right? It's like a really, really early piece of music. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, and yeah, I was talking to him about it afterwards, and he and and he he said he he wasn't planning on playing it either. He just like got to the end of his set and then just like saw it on the USB and just like put it on <laughs> at the end because because the, the crowd was sort of oh, still lovely. 
pretty 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 up for it. Yeah, Jay, I'm I'm going to throw you under the bus. I'm going to be a narc again because that is that is not what you said. Your favorite music <laughs> of the evening was your favorite music of the evening. You said to me at the time was um the the Spotify playlist of bangers that the girls behind the bar put on. They, the they, they they insisted on putting that on every break. It yeah. was so difficult I, to get them to stop doing. It. No, but they they had some fucking bangers. It, in there. I it was it was it was yeah. popping off. But Tom Tom is Tom yeah. is joking. <laughs> that was a joke. Like what I said was a joke. Yeah. Sorry, I was joking. I'm not joking. I was joking. My my two my two favorite musical moments were that Pokemon remix. Actually, hearing hearing Pizza Hotline playing our three piece sweets. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was being yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, was being such a dork. I was being like, oh, I'm quite happy with the mix down of it. It sounds very nice yeah. on the speaker. But <laughs> I came but running yeah, yeah, from that, the that, merch that, um... table when I heard that drop as well. Yeah. Just because, yeah, it's the first time I've heard one of my own tunes like, uh, being played out in that way. It was special. nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It was quite special yeah. that anyway, me and, and me and um, Patrick got to play our sets as well. Because I think that Finally. was one of the things that got sacrificed in the first show was with all the delays we had. We just, apart from, we did a sound check, and I think I played thirty seconds of City Pop in the first show just to check that it was all working okay. And then we we just sacrificed. We binned off our sets, and mm. it was nice to be able to like just grin like i think we just thumbsed up each other i was on the merch table and kind of doing the door and patrick you played for half an hour and then i came and played my half hour and it was just yeah it was just it worked out all right didn't it it? It the the music was quite like muted compared to the sound in the main room and that was kind of to encourage people to mingle have a few drinks and stuff it was just a bit of background music really but it was just it was kind of a nice vibe but and it wasn't a Spotify playlist. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to pick a musical moment because I did say that the uh, Pizza Hotline playing Lighter was amazing. I always love seeing uh, Iverson Iverson because yeah. I quite enjoy. I'm, I'm like a, I'm like an old Oasis fan. I like to sing along <laughs> and I know all the words to their tunes, yeah. and so that's always just like a life affirming moment for me seeing them live. Just seeing how much they enjoy playing as well. It's fantastic. Got really tight. The, the thing I'm going to pick out as the kind of most. Um, happy moment of the evening for me was probably uh looking at uh a packed room uh when cat system call was playing mm-hmm. and just seeing how well the visuals because will we should do a shout to will will came along with his crt uh setup he had loaded loaded tvs stacked um which were running visuals that had been uh, kind of put together by the artist and stuff and it just blended so well and it just added an aesthetic or visual kind of accompaniment to the stage and made it feel stack of those themselves as well it was just it was just incredible it just looked it looked so good and it really accompanied the music well and i think everyone was kind of remarking about how it kind of made that room Mm. come together and uh yeah pizza hotline says says oh not pizza hotline sorry polyglot says as much in his his correspondence he says state the stage itself had fantastic visuals presented on a stack of small crt tvs yeah um we need to shout out will because um yeah we can't we can't do a gig without those now no i know i was gonna say we're 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 completely reliant on him because you know that made such a difference was really lacking in the last show we had the projector with the logo on the wall which kind of looks nice in the photos but Mm. i I don't think it was particularly inspiring when it started going into. It's because the they were showing Jerome's uh, screensaver most of the time. Very vague. It's part of it. It was intentional. Well, it's also yeah, it's yeah. also because my my name on my computer isn't even like Jerome's MacBook. It's like Apple MacBook brackets two. <laughs> yeah. Like what even like? <laughs> yeah. Man, that ah, sounds very to me. Don't you? You, 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 you live and learn. That, that's, you know, there was so much that, that took from that, and I think from. 
<coughs> I'm not sure if I have a favourite moment because I think I enjoyed the whole evening. But what I would say from the from an organising point of view is I think we it felt far less stressful and I was able to enjoy the night so much more yeah. than I than I than I expected just because yeah. it flowed in a way that I. Yeah, the, the, the word for us. And that's, oh, I want to shout Ness then as well, mean. because she helped. I normally I find myself stuck yes. on the merch table the whole night. And um, obviously Alex had a few family issues, so he couldn't come down and help us. But Johnny's uh, girlfriend or fiance, now yeah, married? Fiance, or they get married very soon, aren't yeah. they? Fiance, fiance, getting married next summer. She, she very kindly um, helped us out for ages oh. on the merch table. So it meant I could go, actually go and watch quite long sections of people's shows so uh, people's sets so that was great and it's i think it's what you're saying patrick it's like you you put all that effort in to coming up with a lineup that you think's diverse and balanced enough organizing a venue all the things that you have to do pushing tickets like the stress of getting to close to sold out and all that stuff and sometimes you don't even get to enjoy the night you itself. Don't get to see and I think this it. time I really yeah. did. Yeah. I really did feel like I kind of. A wedding's a really good metaphor. Who, yeah, who was it? So that was it. Yeah. I've been Rob. to a lot of weddings in my time. Yeah, yeah. I only had one myself. But yeah, you're you're hidden, aren't you? You're sort of kept from the yeah. bits and pieces that go. Wrong. It's a bit of a blur. But like, actually, I mean, yeah, like debriefing after the wedding's really nice. I feel like that's what we're yeah. doing right now, isn't it? Yeah, Pour, pouring over the gory details. But the, the details weren't so gory this time. I think we learned a lot from the post bar show. And like to be honest, like folklore is like it's pure home turf to me. Like I had my thirtieth birthday there. I've played there a million mm, times. It was com- like, comfortable. I was going to say nothing goes wrong the there. I think things really like maybe do go wrong there, but like they they know what to do when things go wrong there. Like they're they're laid back, but not too much. And I think just the vibes are really and good, the staff were nice. Do you know what I mean? The people behind the bar. Mm-hmm. There was a real friendly vibe. Uh, yeah. But I mean, let's. I mean, the diversity of the music was is is always been what's key with these shows for us, and it's showcasing the breadth of of the synthwave, vaporwave, and city pop kind of genres, such that they are. And it's like you know, you've got Cat System Court playing quite a classic, uh, more softy set. Edo mm. Exi playing absolute future funk bangers. Ducat doing the same. Um, Pizza Hotline playing like Y2K Jungle or, P- or PS1 Jungle, whatever you want to call it. And then they're throwing in a few old school tracks. Yourselves, Donor Lens playing. And you guys branched out into your breaks as well. And it was nice to hear yeah. um, Jay's, Jay's you both voice. singing. Because yeah, you'd normally have Yana come on. And, you know, that, that, was, a, that was a new twist yeah. on the way you guys perform as well. So there was a lot of... Um, yeah, a lot of different things on offer. I think for the next show, we probably need to try and recalibrate a tiny bit and get a bit more synthwave. I think that was the the only thing that was a little bit, a little bit lacking. Because you had new arcades the first jo- time, didn't you? And they're sort of dreamwave. Yeah, new arcades was the first yeah, yeah. time. I think I'd heard Joe, Joe did say he's like, there needs to be more synthwave. Wow. I wasn't happy. That's probably, that's probably why he didn't come on. <laughs> that's why he didn't come on the show. <laughs> he said enough. Yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah, or because exactly. he's playing badminton. That's the. He's at the badminton bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I personally, I thought it was a breath of fresh air. There wasn't a synthwave proper act. But next time, sure. Yep. Introduce it again. I don't know. Well, we've already got someone in mind. Do you? Well, so. Ooh. Mm-hmm. UK or American or European? Can you give us a clue? Give us a clue. Vive la France. Ooh. Uh, okay, oui, I oui, can oui, take oui, a oui. good guess at who that might be in that case. <laughs> Well, you, there's a couple, <laughs> yeah. you know. There is a couple. Yep. But yeah, interesting. Yeah. Watch this space. When when are we thinking about uh, 
doing more shows then when when can people realistically expect more future sounds can we comfortably say that we're looking at uh, around the March time of yeah, late March or early April, I think, because mm-hmm. what went well about the first one was that we got the best of the early spring kind of that kind of pre-summer wave. Oh, it was a lovely it was warm, warm weekend, and that's what you want, I think. Future. From a future sounds point of view, we're looking at getting a show in towards the end of March uh, in in London again, um, and we'll have more information on that as soon as we can. And then yeah. I think the plan is for late summer to. Um, do Flamingo Fest IRL in uh, New York. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Fancy. What, what, what? Kind of away from Future Sounds, right, Jay? Like both Iverson and Dona Lenza. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, should we plug some, way more? Let's plug some things. Oh, Iverson yeah, and so we, we got two Wolf dates, Club, don't we? Yeah, Iverson Yeah, so, yeah. so the Dona Lenz show hasn't been officially, officially confirmed yet. So maybe let's not. You mentioned that it has. We got we got we got poster and everything. Jay. <laughs> Do we? Oh man! Yeah. As as of today, it is confirmed <coughs> on thirteenth on the thirteenth of January. What um, in uh, Great Portland Street um, at two two? Uh, it's called two nine nine, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, I think, think it's where it used to be called the Social, isn't it? I think it's where yeah, retro. It used to be called the Social. I think it's where Retro Future Fest Two was. Two Retro uh, Future Fest Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that the one we venue. went to? Yeah, good the one venue. we went to. One where Occam's Laser yes. played. And, and Sunglasses Kid, who was impossibly tall, had a tiny little table. He did that D- DJ set with yeah. a little table, like a like a Fisher Price table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ernia. Cute. But yeah, Jay, we're, we're playing on uh, Friday the 13th Crikey of January. Days. So I'm going to have to get permission to come up there on the Friday and stay till the Sunday because it's Tottenham Arsenal on the Sunday. Yeah, lovely stuff. Nice. Make a weekend of it. But yeah, we're we're playing with a, with some mates of yours, aren't we? We're kind of like really stepping outside of um, this kind of world, this future sounds world, because we're playing with kind of like synthy kind of emo metal core stuff. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's kind of the band, the band's called Angel Number. Yeah, so it's Angel Number uh, two two nine nine. The venue Friday the thirteenth of January twenty twenty three. Uh, we're supporting. Uh, yeah, so Angel Number is yeah, kind of like. Um, uh, poppy synth stuff, yeah, definitely overtones of sort of like emo y, metal y stuff. Listen to them on Spotify, that'd be the easiest thing. Check them out, Angel Number. But yeah, so, so me and Tom, are so that's, that's, that. that's one gig to plug, and then, then we got Iverson gig the, the following month, don't we? Yes, so then uh, I'm doing a terrible job at plugging these events, so I do apologize. So, so we're playing with Wolf Club, yeah. Aren't we? So, so Iverson, yeah, so it's at Black Heart in Camden on. February 18th, uh, 7.30. <laughs> Doors are at 7.30 and it's Iverson supporting Wolf Club. Come on down. Yeah. I mean, this is purely selfish, but like, I don't know if it, it, it and it's not representative of the health of a scene at all, but like, Jay, you know, I, I, th- I think we both agree that we're just, we're excited to be per- performing way more, you know. Mm. Like, we've, we've been in the studio kind of making tunes and it's nice people on the internet saying they like your tunes and stuff, but like, taking these out into the real world and, you know, performing them in front of an audience. Yeah. You know, it's it's old fashioned, but, but nothing really compares to it. I kind of feel like from 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 quite a young teenager, I, I used to just play gigs like very very regularly, and it just kind of dropped off for a few years. So it feels it yep. feels really good to be getting back to sort of live. And hopefully, music. you can use your own fucking guitar soon as well. <laughs> <laughs> have my guitar back. You've got a pink one in the post, don't you? I Dave? do. I do. <laughs> I got I got I got a pretty pink guitar in the post and yeah you can thank you very much Enzo for lending me 
your uh, guitar for so long. I I said I was gonna <laughs> I said I was gonna borrow it initially for 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 one gig, and I think it's been about two years. I think it's more than that, dude. I think it's yeah. like nearly nearly two years now I've had it. So thank you very much. Uh, it's been a couple of years. Maybe maybe I'll use it at the gig in January and do like a Jimi Hendrix set of fire. Hand it out, yeah. <laughs> Destroy it. Smash yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Enzo, you you borrowed it back for your sort of controversial moment in the Donor Lens um, yeah, Vapor Memory set. It definitely wasn't Vaporwave. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. No, that was oh, man. Yeah. Let's, let's, stir that, let's stir that Hornets nest again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to stir that Hornets nest. Hi, we are Donor Lens and this is not Vaporwave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, th- I think we're on on the home stretch like um i thought to say i that. kind of yeah. i i um uh it's good you know I, I i sort of teed it up earlier but i think i think we kind of talked about it just like you know i was saying live music is supposed to be on a downturn and yet you know it's a world we're diving into um I think it's a world we're diving into with some confidence because I think we've got evidence to suggest that people are excited to go to these kinds of shows. You know, I don't think we could sustain doing, you know, once a month or two, you know, twice a month, but yeah, you know, it's quarterly not, it's shows not like or, the heydays, or, or whatever. It's not like the heyday of the jungle and uh, like hardcore scenes and stuff where you had like weekly mm-hmm. raves. There's not yeah. enough promoters. There's not enough audience for it, but there's just enough, I think, appetite for this kind of outsider art that we're we're all listening to and producing and promoting to have uh like a few really nicely curated lineups and um yeah i I think that's that's what that's that's the the kind of number that we've got the emotional headspace for though like you know quarterly a handful of times a year yeah doing this really lovely thing yeah touching base with people you know um it's a really nice thing you know it's like there's an element of us you know like role, t- role playing as, it's a lot as... nicer to sell a record it's a lot nicer to sell a record to someone in person mm. and talk to them about it than it is to just receive an email and yeah. um so just though from that point of view just from the business's point of view it's just a lovely thing to do um yeah i don't know can i can i do a quick plug of things that are coming out on uh time slave and yeah i was gonna say me me and me and tom plugged us if, if, if anyone else has anything to plug please plug away and Hopefully more, well, we've com- got, more, more uh, confidently new... than what than what I did. <laughs> well, if, as long as people are grasping the facts, that's all you need is the facts. Um, <laughs> and the raw facts are this: uh, this Friday. So hopefully, this podcast will be coming out around uh, by this weekend. So uh, we've got a mannequin challenge repressed. There's a club flamingo edition, uh, which is a gold record with black splatter. And then there's a green and black A-side, B-side variant, which is uh, looking stunning as well. We're also dropping Dan Mason's Void. Uh, there's a repress mm-hmm. of that, limited numbers. Um, and on Time Slave, we've got Occam's Laser. So he's one of our own, Tom. He does a lot. He, he came out on socials hey. the, other, the other week as Mac Lacrosse. Mm, finally did it. The, the, clue yeah. was always, the clue was always in the name. He it was an anagram. An anagram of Occam's laser is Mac Lacrosse, and he also does. He 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 also revealed himself to have been working for us uh, for the last couple of years. He's been doing a lot of our social media stuff. So, That's massive tough. shout to Tom. Without him, you know, we just we wouldn't be able to. Um, with, without him, without Chris, without Kira, we just wouldn't be able to function uh, as we do. And it's hard as it is because the new babies and things like that. But do we his know album Phantasm's he... out on Friday. Phantasm. Do we know why he decided to suddenly just reveal all and just is he is he deciding to is he going to 
change things up or has he just thought it no was I just think it was like he he's been be. sat on this little secret for ages he did a yeah. set for Flamingo Fest with a bird mask on yeah. and I, mm. it's just I don't know it's just been in the back of my mind for ages and his and we've kind of had jokes about it loads of times like is anyone ever going to ask who you are because his records all sell really well it's yeah. not like he's absolutely an outsider like he came from nowhere has done three albums all of which have sold out and done really well and been really popular and um yeah, I guess it was kind of like it's, it's an intriguing aspect of the anonymity of the vaporwave scene that yeah. people don't tend necessarily to ask too many questions about who people are, and I think it was just sort of something he was sat on for a while. I was so really, yeah, got, I was really gone. gutted. Sorry, just on 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 macrocross, I was really gutted. Like we we spoke a few times in the in the in the chat. I really wanted him to do like a fake out face reveal. <laughs> <laughs> where you know oh, like yeah, he, he, he was yeah so he 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 even he even worked out how he was going to do it where he would pull the bird mask off but then be have be wearing like a green screen like mask essentially so that Elon he Musk's pulls the, he pulls the bird head off. Or is he? <laughs> so he, no so he pulls the bird head off and then there's just no head Ooh. tom cruise well, you know, you know that kind of thing yeah, that would have been good mission impossible no oh. mm. Well, here we are. That's what the Sun tried to do when Burial was nominated for the Mercury Prize. They were like, "Oh, you know, is it is it Fat Boy Slim? Is yeah. it Aphex Twin? Blah blah blah." Stupid. So yeah, just we've 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 pushed this quite a few times, but check out the new website future-sounds.co.uk. And um, I know I said this at the start as well, but if if you are a budding writer, um, if you are going to uh, regular live events somewhere near you. And you think that they would be um, benefiting of a little bit of coverage? Uh, that's what that's what it's there for. It, obviously, we've got a little core team of people writing at the minute, and we'll keep on going as we are for now. But um, we're always open to hearing from people who have like a kind of passion to help us cover as much of the scenes as possible, and that applies to synthwave, vaporwave, future funk, city pop, any of it. Bit of jungle, any of it. Yeah. And we will be back with um, yeah, back got, season two is now um, underway. So. I got I got a, I got a Christmas joke just oh. to, to, to to see oh. us out. Go on then, which Kira's just sent me. Um, what do you call an elf that won the lottery? I don't know. What do you call an elf that won the lottery? Wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Wealthy. Yeah, wealthy. We'll be millionaires. You ain't my dad. Millionaires. Cheers to that, Jay. She fade out on that. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, that, you, I think yeah. that joke was far more deserving of the dead air <laughs> that Tom got. <laughs>